Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Car Stories Podcast. My name is Patrick, and this is Daniel to the left of me. Say hi, Daniel. Hello. Nobody cares. Um, we have a very special guest today. We have the marketing director of our building. Ladies and gentlemen, not only is she the marketing director, she's just a certified badass, and she's also very Italian. Say hi. Luna Bond is on. Ciao, everybody. Thank you for having me today. This was very unexpected, but I'm glad I was already here at work so that I could jump on the podcast today. Yeah, we wanted to have you on. I'm we think, were trying to get you on forever, man. I've I think been you, I think you have a very interesting story of um, your background in, in motorsports. So I'm glad you're able to come on and share it with our listeners. I don't think, I don't think we've ever seen you have such a free afternoon before, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, we are here in the full position room because we like race cars. You, being Italian, you're just born with race car in your system. Is that true? It is true. Oh, it's... my God. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. This is crazy. You already know a lot about me. So that How did you... Uh... I'm acting like I don't for the sake of this podcast, though. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get involved with uh, cars? What was your first introduction? So, uh, my first introduction was actually... Uh, being born and raised and going to bed every night next to a workshop. So my family has been running a car business since the 80s. And uh, because they are so obsessed with cars, they opened a building where they were running the business from. And then they realized that they needed a house eventually because I was going to exist mm -hmm. soon. So instead of going and looking for a house, they decided to build one right next to the car business that they had. And my bedroom happened to be built right next to the workshop. So there's my bedroom, a wall, and a workshop where they would mm. fix all these cars. Um, the business was, it started as just a little uh, race shop, basically, for four by fours and American cars. Um, and then it evolved and it became a dealership. They were the first ones to import American cars in Italy back in the 80s. Oh, wow. So that's how it started. And I Thank would. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making such amazing cars. <laughs> and. Um, and yeah, so I would, uh, you know, go to bed every night and wake up in the morning at uh, the sound of some rumbling V8 being pulled in the workshop to be fixed. So that was yeah. my daily uh, alarm. And uh, that's how I started getting obsessed with them, with the, literally with the noise. Um, then as I grew up, I, uh, I started getting more and more fascinated and I wanted my my family, my dad mostly, obviously, to involve me more and teach me more about them. And he um, he was a racer. He used to race four by fours and okay. Jeeps and stuff like that. And, um, and he told me something that stuck with me my entire life, uh, which was your girl, it's not in your DNA to be near cars. Uh, you got to stay with your mom and, you know, learn how to cook, how to do, mm -hmm. you know, girl yeah. stuff. <laughs> The traditional stuff, exactly. quote unquote. Yeah. Um, when you bring so, that pasta over, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have to make some for you. Yes, yes. for sure. How about lasagna instead? Yes. <laughs> Race lasagna. Race lasagna. <laughs> Gasoline instead of pasta sauce. <laughs> instead of olive oil, motor oil. Um, anyways, so that's that, that's like a very short version of mm. how it started. Is that a true story? Because that's like too good of like a storybook story to 
to no, start your story. That is true. Actually, I can give you a little bit of background about my dad too. So he uh, was born in the middle of nowhere, Italian countryside, n- nothing to be done or gained there. Um, and he he loved cars and he went to rallies. Like where we're from, it's like a little bit outside of Milano in, in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And there it, they used to organize a rally, like an off-road rally, obviously. Sorry, the rally in Italy is like the like WRC type mm, of thing, mm, not mm. like a... He started sneaking into these rallies and climb on trees and take photographs, like aerial photos of, mm-hmm. of the cars racing. Very cool. And then he would just like get out of the race and like print the photos and then try to sell them illegally, obviously, because he wasn't an authorized photographer. He was like 14 years old. We love guerrilla marketing and guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> we like guerrilla marketing. <laughs> And uh, and he started making his first money that way um, for his love of, of rally racing and stuff. And then and then uh, after that, he uh, used to just like go around these fields in the middle of nowhere. And one day he found a Willys, like a Jeep yeah, Willys yeah. that was left there from the war. Wow. And uh, he just took it, he restored it, and then started just off-roading with it. Huh. And I remember my grandma told me once that she was losing her mind because they, they lived in this like old farm kind of thing. And he would go up and down the stairs off the farm with the Willys just because it, could. it was a four <laughs> by four and super light. Um, so that's how he developed his love for off-roading, and uh, and that's you know how how it all started for him. I didn't know Italy is Italy like a big scene for off-roading, or is it became it, okay kind of, of like rally a, scene, isn't it? Yeah, rally, yes, just because it, it's a cheaper <clears throat> you know motorsport mm-hmm. uh, activity that's not like Formula One no, <laughs> racing yeah. and stuff you like that. One under the other, Italy. yeah. Is it more like trails or like literally like kind of? rock climbing kind of like it's mostly like especially where we're from it's very flat okay uh so they would build the trails Mm -hmm. or use like small hills and mountains Mm -hmm. and make and literally just go and excavate the trails to make them you know challenging so you would you would take like some fiat pandas out there yeah that's that's what actually was (laughs) in in fashion back then it was like those the suzuki's the mitsubishi's like the jimmies yeah okay like (laughs) mostly (laughs) japanese and land rovers Mm -hmm. of course uh and jeeps weren't really a thing until he started just going to these competitions with jeeps it was a willis before and then it was a uh, jeep cj5 Mm. after and he started winning so much with that car because not because of the car, but because it was absolutely crazy and had no fear of consequences or death or whatsoever. Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just cool. You guys were kind of like uh, U.S. ambassadors of bringing in cars from. Yeah, Manila, that's, you know? exactly. That's how he started, <laughs> and he would just uh, like race with the CJs, and and people and and his friends and his competitors would see him going like a daredevil on the trails with the CJ5. And so they would be fascinated and thought it was the car. Huh. So they would go to him like, oh, can you get me one of these cars? Like they didn't exist at mm-hmm. all. They weren't built there, imported yeah. there at all, obviously, as you guys probably know. And the friends would go to him and, and say, can you get me one of these cars? Because I want to, you know, beat you in the mm-hmm. same car. Obviously, this car is like way better performance than a Land Rover or a Mitsu. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's how it started for him. He started to just come to America and like buy two, three, four, five CJs, bring them back to Italy, place them in a gas station parking lot uh-huh. and sell them out of there, or just deliver them to to mm-hmm. his friends. And that was like the first stone to 
the empire that mm-hmm. he built on American cars imports, basically. Very cool. But anyways, sorry. yeah. I mean, uh, what did you learn how to drive, and how old were you? So I have a feeling you learned how to drive way before most American. I was kids. seven years old when <laughs> <Jesus> I was. That <laughs> <laughs> feeling was right. Yeah, I was seven years old when um, he put me on. Uh, I think was it? A, I forget if it was a was probably a Wrangler YJ. And I have a photo of that day. I think I showed it to you. I don't remember. I think you did. Huh? But I have it. But uh, yeah, I was seven. And I think I was on this Wrangler YJ. Um, and he just put me on his laps for the first drive. I, I was just trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. then he he like it took me around. And said, okay, so this is first. This is second. This is third, fourth, and fifth. Go. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. So... I did it. He put like something, I don't remember what the hell to like make mm-hmm. me reach to the pedals mm-hmm. and, and the pillow under uh, my butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, go. So I stalled obviously the first three times mm-hmm. and then I got the gist of it. Plus the YJ4 liter, you don't even need to press the gas because the engine is so big that it basically drives on its mm. own. So maybe um, that's the car Patrick should learn how to drive stick on. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me your car's working. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, then that's how it started. Mm-hmm. And then I never pretty much left that car. Um it stayed with me for many, many years. And uh, every afternoon after school, I would go back and like just beg my dad to let me drive the car mm-hmm. uh, until he just let me do it yeah. by myself. And I would just go in the rice fields and drive around like But um what is I mean we know, but our audience doesn't know, but you love Jeeps. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's where it started. Yeah. But, but um, what is it? Why why Jeep? Like, obviously, you have your dad connection to it, but what makes that car so special for you? What validated my interest for them was the feeling of freedom that a Jeep gives you, um, especially when, you know, everybody else in Italy drives a Fiat or something, you know, mm-hmm. small, especially in, you know, outside of the city mm-hmm. little town like you drive your grandma's car right mm. um when you start mm-hmm. uh, pretty much so it was just the possibility of going anywhere and seeing him doing these crazy things at races and he would say like oh there's a mountain top there and it's rocky and it's in, like you wouldn't even think to fly there right Let's go. and he would just like <laughs> say no i think we can get there and just watch him do that it was almost like a metaphor of there is no obstacle that is unbeatable mm-hmm. if you have the right tools and right confidence mm-hmm. and and little fear you just go for it so that mm-hmm. is what made the fascination stuck with me mm-hmm. i was like okay this car is and, and that's what build my confidence really in, in life and in the mm-hmm. car world mm-hmm. uh because i would just say like okay I, I have a car which with a couple of tools which is i don't know four gear four low gears mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh you know off-road tire and a little bit of a lift i can go anywhere so that was what made me love them very much it is a good feeling it's a beautiful metaphor god damn <laughs> no it's, um, it's really but your 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 passion doesn't just stop with automobiles correct don't you haven't you raced a couple other things on two wheels or yeah something? so i you know how did I you get involved this, with that this is a more boss lore i didn't know it's <laughs> 
So obviously, again, it started with Jeep, right? That we, we've mm-hmm. assessed. Uh, after that, it I realized that I really wanted to work in the automotive world because I was so in love with anything that moved. Uh, and in plus on wheels with an engine, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, but. I knew that I couldn't be a complete car person if all I knew was Jeeps and American cars and muscle Mm -hmm. cars and whatever. So I was like, okay, I need to learn about the products in Mm -hmm. general. So I started reading books and hanging out and going to all the different races, rallies, offer races, track days, uh, car gatherings, and just talk and hang out with car people because I wanted to become like a very reliable source and, and prove my dad wrong that even though I had the uh, X and Y chromosome in my DNA, I could, I could still be a car person. So um, I started doing that and educate myself and just read books and, and, and go all over the places until I could learn enough to write about cars because I loved writing when I was at school. I was terrible at math, science, don't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. All of that, like, no. Uh, I was a, <laughs> I was a literature person. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I put together those two passions and, and started writing. I became a car journalist. And then I didn't want to limit that to cars and wanted to learn about motorcycles as well. Uh, because I wanted to become a certified badass so that Patrick could call me so yeah, <laughs> on a Monday to... afternoon. <laughs> it's accomplished. It's, it's a great, great title to have. Mm. Yeah. I've seen it... her papers. They're real. <laughs> she is truly certified. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing is that I, I was in my rebel phase and my parents were like, you stay away from motorcycle. Those are dangerous. You're going to die. We are not going to come get you and like Jesus. rob you away from the s- pavement with a spoon. And I was like, I, I feel like most parents would be the same yeah. way. If they were like, like saw the seriousness yeah. and like, that's an <laughs> yeah, was, that's how they say like when you like, when they collect you from the with road with a wooden spoon. Yeah, with a wooden spoon, and then spank you with it because you're yeah, spank your corpse rebel. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you wanted to prove them wrong and just get exactly and just bikes. do whatever they told me not to do. I was like, mm-hmm. I proved you wrong already. I'm gonna mm-hmm. keep doing this. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started with motorcycle. I was working at a uh, at Hearst actually in Italy. Mm-hmm. They um, they had a bunch of car magazine and, and a motorcycle magazine. So that that lived right across the alley from me. So I went to these guys and I said, I've never rode a motorcycle before. Can you teach me how to do it? And the the uh, editor in chief was a uh, um, former Moto GP something instructor, I don't mm-hmm. remember. And he said, Yeah, let's go to racetrack this weekend. I'll teach you. And I was like, Sure, okay. <laughs> so we did that and I learned how to ride a motorcycle on the racetrack. So, oh, which wow. was the most perfect situation. Yeah. And, and because you like immediately get the sense of speed and limits. And even if it, you know you're on a racetrack, you're in a fairly protected environment, mm-hmm. way safer than the road. Mm-hmm. So I learned in the right place and then started like that. And then I, I got into racing and every time I would ride a motorcycle, I was in a full suit because the the instructor, you know, would teach MotoGP riders how to do their job, right? Mm-hmm. So he gave me the maximum level of possible skills yeah. or t- yeah. tried to teach me mm-hmm. those at least. <laughs> so uh, that's how the motorcycle story went. Um have you did you have any spills along the way learning or any I fell 
mostly yeah. by not moving. So after, because I would go <clears> on the track and and normally you do like three, four laps and then you go back to the pits and mm -hmm. rest or like drink some water. And I started in July. It was a million degrees oh in Italy in in <laughs> on this racetrack in Franciacorta. It's uh, a little bit east of Milan in the wine region of Italy, of northern Italy, one of them at least. Must be nice. I was about to say, do you have any idea how little that narrows it down the wine regions of italy <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very nice place um mm -hmm. hopefully we'll go there for one of our rallies but anyways Take me. maybe if you behave i'm doing my best <laughs> <laughs> try hard <laughs> really am man so uh um, do you still ride today yeah, I do actually. Uh, this this weekend, I uh, I wanted to come to the cruising with the motorcycle. You came, you came to the U.S. Yes. How long ago was that? Um, so and I. And why did you want to come to the land of the free? Can okay. Please edit some eagle noises over that. <laughs> It'd be great. So what happened is that okay, I, I again started as as a journalist. Mm -hmm. uh, did that for a while. I realized that as much as it was a very fun profession and I would get to drive different cars every week and go and travel the world, the testing, all sorts of different cars, taking them to the track and whatever. Um, I need to change my career path. I. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was the time when the when print was shifting towards blogs mm -hmm. and you know Italy yeah. it, it was a little bit behind on that standpoint mm -hmm. so the the magazines I was working I work I, sorry I was working at didn't really want to make that transition mm -hmm. so they were falling behind you know the, the whole industry was cool. kind of mm -hmm. slowing yep. down um so I worked at a tv network for a little bit hosting this uh show that's called ride and drive on NBC in Italy. You uh, do that. not. You should not have told do you me not? <laughs> do not. I'm going to go look send for you that. a link at 12:30 tonight. No, please don't. It was right embarrassing. <laughs> no, not embarrassing, but I was, you know, you one of the very hosts? junior. I didn't really. Were you a host, this. like on yeah. on camera? Oh yes. my god, I'm so good. And one of the first, um, actually, one of the first uh, outings I did was at the Mille Miglia as ah. a host of. Uh, and I went there as press and I like did the whole Mille Miglia with Mercedes. Uh, it, it was amazing. And I would just like, we wouldn't we wouldn't sleep for more than uh, two hours per night because the Mille Miglia is yeah. like super intense. Um, what, were, what kind of car were you in? I was in an SL. Nice. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, yeah. Did you drive it? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a silly yeah. question. I mean, hey, <laughs> if, she, if they weren't going to let her drive, she's going to do her damn best maybe to get she behind was, the wheel. Maybe she was documenting the whole thing. She yeah, no, pressed. no, I was doing both okay. things. Also, if I don't get to drive things, I don't, I don't really <laughs> enjoy being the passenger seat. So, mm. sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I just, I'm not a good passenger. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Anyways, um, after, you know, a few years of that, I ended up at FCA working for Jeep as a Jeep expert. They hired me and that was fun um i did that for a few years and i worked with maserati uh and several other car brands in italy and then at some point i was like okay i tried it all i feel like i need a fresh or a refresh mm -hmm. of you know for being this profession because i started when i was super young um so four years ago 
I said, okay, let's go conquer other places overseas. So I, I moved here and uh, I just gave myself a week to find a job because I needed a work visa. Mm -hmm. I needed, you know, all, all sorts of good things bureaucracy wise to just yeah. make sure that they wouldn't kick me out of the country after five seconds. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I gave myself a week when knocking on doors of all car businesses around LA, just saying, hi, this is my resume. I'm a car girl, you know, but I really need a visa because I'm an immigrant. <laughs> so <laughs> can you please consider uh, to give me a job and a sponsorship? And uh, finally, I managed to find the company that was willing to hire me. So I started four years ago to, to work at this media company about classic cars. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of my experience in the U.S. So Awesome. So since you've been in the U.S., have you done any off-roading yourself? Oh, God, yes. Please tell a story. Any memorable moments. Please. <laughs> I, 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 tell the Moab story, please. Yes. <laughs> We want to hear the Moab story. <laughs> I'm sorry because you guys heard it a bunch of times right no, now. It's, I mean, it's, just one, it's one of my favorites of yours. It, the people need to know. It's fantastic. Because I can't tell you all the other ones. But anyways. Uh, I've so, heard plenty of things in my life. So that that actually occurred when I was still living in Italy. But oh, okay. I because I've always had this great passion for the U.S. I The, the car world in America is just so much freer than in Europe and in Italy as well. We have very tough homologation rules and a lot of legalities that get in the way of, of car passion uh, and have been doing so, in, especially in the last 10 years, uh, painfully so. So I've always had this aspiration of coming here and just doing my own car thing without worrying about all, all of those annoying things back in Italy. So when when I was working as a journalist, I would just come up with the weirdest ideas, just find an excuse to come here, have them cover one-tenth of my expenses to, yeah. to, to travel here and do some sort of production with photography articles, travel articles, whatever. So once I did, and I uh, I came here for SEMA show and to do the coverage of SEMA, and um, I I then rented a, rented a Jeep, went to Moab, because that was my lifetime dream as an off-roader to go there and see where jeeps get homologated and mm -hmm. where they get tested and every year they they present new concept cars at the easter jeep safari so i said that's my mech i want to go there um so i did i went there i rented another jeep that was off-road ready it was like on 37s and four inch lift kit and uh it was all like souped up for it was a rubicon and it was mm. all souped up for the trails and it's november right so mob is Sorry. Moab is absolutely freezing. Uh, it's snowing. There is nobody on the trails. And it's like everybody tells you, just don't go on the trail. These <laughs> yeah. are not the condition. The trails are dangerous. And me, on my you know little experience in off-road that has occurred in Italy where the trails are this big and you can't really hurt yourself unless you're a complete yeah. dummy. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, well, come on. It's, it's going to be fine. You, you know, know the experience I, I got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am an expert, right? Mm. Um, 
An hour later, I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving on Hell's Revenge, which is yeah. quite a tough trail. Can in, you in, describe uh, the the trail for our audience? So the, the trail, so it's like slick rock, mm-hmm. no no grip at all, especially when it's raining and snowing at the same time. Uh, there's Hell's Gate, which is like these two rocks that converge. It's like two rock walls, and you have to drive with your wheels like perfectly balanced between mm-hmm. the two walls. Otherwise, if you slip and you are rolling over you roll over t- 10 times before you're back and down it's literally again. like it's, vertical it's right? very steep yeah so i went through that i was like told you i'm yeah. great yeah. i could do this um, so your confidence is way up my confidence is, is yeah. through the roof um so and then i drive through and i'm with a photographer who's mm-hmm. sitting in the passenger seat the photographer from the magazine and we drive by this very deep dark hole and on the side on the wall of this hole it says devil's highway hot tub and i just drove by ignoring it and the photographer sees it and he's like you're not thinking about going in there are you and i'm like wait where he's like in that hole it's like i didn't even see it but now that you tell me why don't we try that and he's like screw this i'm getting out of the car i was like sure take photos while i you know get this done so the hole is like you get in from a little wall and then you're tires get wet because the hole is filled with water and mud and then the the wall the way out is through a like an 85 degrees yeah. wall pretty much it's like it's essentially so, a pit right like yeah. a big water pit yeah. yeah and i don't know if we can add photos to this but i have the whole photo sequence okay that i can you know use to so give a better I- photo set idea of this craziness anyways so i get in tires get wet i start to try to get out and my the hood is pointing the sky so i cannot see anything so i take my seatbelt off to just like stick out of the window to see where the hell i'm going because i couldn't see anything Mm -hmm. um and as i do that there is this and i try the first time couldn't get through it go back try the second time try the third time and i realized that i just need to go in full gas because i would just get to three quarters of the wall and the wheel starts spinning and then we just lose grip and go backwards so i do this and i go full gas in and there's this little dent in the rock that's going outwards and i hit that thing in full and the car just completely backwards (laughs) and i flip in the water in like at a speed that I couldn't even understand. Um, and, so, and your body went with the car too? Yeah. Or, or were you? I was, I, also, I wasn't, thank <laughs> God I wasn't wearing a seatbelt because I, if I had, I would, I would have been, I would have drowned. Yeah. I would have been stuck upside down with my head under the water. Yeah. So, um, so how did you get out of that predicament? So I um, managed to get out by, from the window. And At this point, you're soaking wet. I com- completely wet. It's freezing. Uh, I I got out. The photographer is like standing there with the camera. It's like, how are you alive? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm glad I am. Um, so yeah, I got out, and and all of our phones, passport, money, suitcases were in the car. Yeah. So everything was gone like just floating around this mud puddle in at the bottom of the the devil's highways hot tub so uh yeah so it it 
two hours go by, nobody shows up. We can't call anybody. Two bikers come. They're like, they have sat phones. We call rescues. They come with two Jeeps to flip the car back on its wheels. And then there's no way out from Hell's Revenge. So they had to tow me out off the car. And I had to sit in the car soaked wet for another two hours and a half. And this is just with the winch or what? Yeah, with, okay. two, two, with two Jeeps, they winched both the front and rear bumper. They like... Flipped you over. Back. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that was my 21st birthday. <laughs> there <laughs> you the go. Way. Welcome to America. Man. Yes. Uh, it was it was pretty amazing. Um yeah, so and and the following day I was terrified. I was like, I okay, my my career as, as a Jeeper has ended and I'm just gonna retire and whatever. And then I said, no, hold on a second. If I don't get back at it immediately, I'm going to be terrified for life and I cannot afford to lose this. So I went to another rental. <laughs> rental after, they- after totaling the other one. <laughs> Thank God I got like the full insurance because, yeah. yeah. And uh, even though that like it still had the deductible, which sweep my bank yeah. account completely that's all i had it was three thousand yeah. dollars deductible gone that i'm run i'm at zero money um oh yeah i forgot about this yeah yeah, yeah because <laughs> there there is a deductible right so uh so yeah i got a different car and it got a different jeep and went on another trail and just like it neutralized the shock totally. uh so that was a good way that was actually one wise decision that i made <laughs> that week yeah. was to do that and uh yeah uh so you like fast cars and there's a specific fast car we know you love you mind telling the audience which one that is i mean there's three that i can think what's of. the one that's on painted into you oh it's a <laughs> it's a gt40 there you go yes so I love that car because, again, I you know I grew up surrounded by American cars the whole so time. So you were American patriot. I, yeah, Hell I, yeah, I have the American flag tattooed somewhere on my arm. So uh, I, but you know, you always want what you can't have, right? Like the same way Americans love Italian cars. I I don't know, but that's not true because my Italian car friends love Italian cars more than anything, really. I would. Like more Italian cars if Fiat didn't exist. You know what that says? That says that you're a little bit more cultured than they are. <laughs> <laughs> I like exotic products. What can I say? Would you consider American cars exotic back then? Absolutely. Okay. I, I mean, they, they were. But is exotic something that you're just not exposed to? Exotic is just something that's foreign, right? Yeah. That's like has yeah, a cool exactly. factor, and, and cool. it's yeah. not it's not, not from around these easily parts. accessible. Around these parts, around these parts, around these parts, yeah. Hot diggity dog, hot diggity dog. <laughs> so, what was the cool? What was the first sports car your dad got into? Like the American car dealer, like a oh, Mustang. Like I would have to ask him. I think you know the first certain, one you remember. You know. The one that I remember the most is a Viper. Yo, that's because, not what I was expecting. Be, yeah, what color? Which is why red, obviously. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was on. a first gen Viper. And mm. that's the first scary drive that I had ever had in my life. I was about 10 years old. I think they came out in 94, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I was older it, it then. No, I was, was way older. Not way older. I was 14. <laughs> okay, let's, let's say that. Um, and yeah, he he took me, 
he drives like a maniac. I already said that. Uh, he took me on this Viper and like we just went burning out all around town, like driving 200 miles an hour. And the car has no safety no, control, anything. No right? bags, no nothing, no ABS. Exactly. And I was shocked by <laughs> that car and it ingrained in my heart in a way that I cannot forget. Uh, so I love Vipers very much. In fact, I'm looking for one. So if anybody has a Viper, I am on the market for okay. one. Uh, First gen? <laughs> what? First gen or any gen? I actually would love the, the second third gen. gen. Third gen. No, the, the third, it's the too civilized for like my taste. That. I think because you're an old man at heart. Okay. I like the second yes. gen better. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Daniel, the GTS. Daniel, you fought the Vietnam War. <laughs> So okay, Gen two. Gen yeah. two would be my my okay. weapon of choice. What color? Just for our audience. I think Same black blue, because I'm blue. the queen of darkness. I love Ooh, self proclaimed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you idolized the the Viper growing up, but what was the first like fast car that you drove? Like just you? Definitely not a Jeep. So no, definitely not. Um, I think it was a third gen Viper, the, okay. the first one that I drove, and I was terrified because I've seen what my dad did to that car, and the fact that it couldn't go straight, I was like, I'm gonna die for sure. I didn't, but because I, I think I only put it in first. Mm. It's like there's no way I'm gonna put this car in second. I'm gonna drive it like it. There's a pillow uh, yeah. or an egg under the the accelerator. Uh, then the second one was the uh, Ram SRT10, which mm. was donuts all day. That's a that's a Viper truck. It's, I know it's Viper. amazing. It's phenomenal. Uh, and then my first car when I got a driver's license, it was a Mustang GT that mm. my dad yes. bought at an auction in Scottsdale and imported to Italy. Wow! And <laughs> I was, and it had twenty inch. Uh, rims that were chromed. Mm. I looked like the, mm. I don't know. What, yeah, not very elegant. But the funny thing is that Mustangs didn't exist in Italy. So when I would go to school in that car, people thought it was a Ferrari because they saw the horse and they were uh, like, oh my God, is this a new Ferrari? And I was like, no, it's a Mustang. It's a piece of, it's a <laughs> it's piece of crap imported <laughs> from Arizona, guys. It's a <laughs> Ford Mustang. It came from Arizona. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, that was my daily driver. It was a GT 4.7, I think. Six. Yeah. No, it was a 05. Yeah. It was 05. Yeah, it was a 05. Yeah, there was seven, 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 seven. So what happened is that I would drive that car without a plate because I didn't like it with plates on. <laughs> it's valid. And I and I was like, you know, in America they drive cars without plates, so why can't I do that here? And so <laughs> I would drive it without a plate, but it's illegal. So they, I went to the grocery uh, store, yeah. got out, and there were through sorry two police cars and a tow truck. And they were towing my car oh. away. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, is this car yours? And I was like, who's asking? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you don't have plates on and you can't drive around. So this is confiscated. And in Italy, when they confiscate your car, they just put it on an auction. And if you want it back, you have, you to, have to buy, buy it again. <laughs> That's why. But the funny thing is that they did that and they didn't really know the value of that car because it's not even like it's not commercialized. Yeah, yeah. So nobody really showed up at the auction and we bought it back for like 10 grand, but which was still, still annoying. Yeah, for, but like, no, but hold on. In Italy, like a Mustang back then, it would sell for 50 because it, it wasn't exotic. exotic. Now they sell them yeah. officially, but um, yeah. That's wow. what happened to my first car. It's a great story. Whatever, uh, what color was it? 
It was the light blue, like the right, exactly with silver stripes exactly. and chrome wheels. And it was a manual. Was it the stock chrome wheels or aftermarket? No, wheels? aftermarket dub okay. wheels. It was oh, really, geez, really like... 2005 was a different time. Tasteless. Yeah. But I loved it. So what what are you driving now? So now I'm driving a Jeep, of course, because that's my <laughs> mule. Uh, and then I have a Aston Martin V8 Vantage convertible. Mm. which I am trying to sell to buy Viper or I've ordered the car, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't really have the courage to uh, pick up, but at some point, eventually I have to pay for it, which is the embarrassing part. Give me a <laughs> but, check. Um, I ordered the Hellcat. So because that goes along with my spirit, (laughs) you know, Aston Martins are cute, but but a Hellcat is reflects my soul. Red, white, and blue. I'm going to be so scared to carpool with you once you get that thing. I am scared of myself because I had a challenge already and I would get pulled over like three times a week. Um, the cops knew your name. Like, oh, literally. Good to yeah, see you again. yeah. It's it, that car doesn't have a great reputation. <laughs> no, it does not. So, over or so, under ten tickets since you've been in the U.S. Under, but bare, just because there was COVID and I didn't drive for two years. And the funny thing is that I get two tickets at a time. I don't get one. Like if I get one ticket in a matter of one, two weeks, I get a second one. It's That's how I roll. I don't know. Nice. No. I'm an idiot. But. Good Lord. So, um, I mean, we ask this to everyone, but do you follow motorsports? I partially okay. do. I had to do it a lot when I was in Italy. Yeah. And then I, the thing is that I enjoy motorsport when I can be active part mm-hmm. of it. If I am a spectator, I don't really get super engaged with it, which is a very selfish thing to say. She wants the adrenaline. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she needs the adrenaline, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I, I went to many, uh, Formula One races. I just feel like there are so many other ways to be to get closer to motorsport yeah. that it's if we're talking about Formula One, like you can only aspire to be a spectator, right? For most of us, at mm-hmm. least. While there's so many other uh, competitions and types of mm-hmm. racing that g- get you more involved. I worked on the, you know, Porsche Career Cup for a few years and I would do, you know, I would attend all the IMSA races. Uh, those are fun because you get to come closer to the drivers and the cars and, mm-hmm. and really experience it, you know, in a way less distant way uh, compared to Formula One. So I found those way more enjoyable than, yeah. than the higher types of motorsports um but yeah that's just a matter of accessibility yeah so uh this past weekend we had our uh, first ev cruise in so my question to you is when are we going to see you in a fully ev car i'd pay the money to see such a thing honestly <laughs> next live no it's funny i i you know respect them a lot and i respect <clears throat> the people who find a way to love evs um just not your cup of tea? It just, if I have to be honest, it's... Dude, she's it's, looking for a Viper right now. I am not. <laughs> I'm not I ready. I the answer already. And, and honestly, let me go back to the first thing we talked about. I was born and raised with V8 
noises oh, in my yeah, ears. No. And that is what it like gives me the best feelings in the world about those cars is the noise. That's what engages me uh, first mm. and foremost. Mm. So, and I, I was, you know, talking to our colleagues the other day about this, you know, and it's, it's a lot of our colleagues own EVs. Mm -hmm. And I was curious about hearing why they got into them and why, you know, how, why do they love them? And say, because they're peaceful, they're efficient, they're fast. And I'm like, for me, speed without noise doesn't matter. Yeah. It's especially because American cars are not necessarily fast. They are loud. No, yeah. <laughs> That's what I like the mm -hmm. most. Yeah. So... Okay. That's yeah, but it was amazing to see our first EV cruising come together. People were very excited. Uh, we're going to organize an EV rally. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of space to do fun stuff with them. Um, yeah. Why are you doing that face? I forgot to send the email. <laughs> <laughs> good, good thing we got time. I'll send that as soon as this is done. Recording. We can do it tomorrow. It's fine. You made the date today. No. It's fine. Okay. We'll because we, if we don't have the photos. We don't have the photos yet. That's why I was saying that. Sorry. I just had a heart attack on camera. Right there. <laughs> you probably just look back at the footage. Just my face just flushed. Just. Oh, my God. But uh, just one more question. What's Bye. your favorite car here at that lives here at the Peterson? It's the GT40. Okay. It's, I, I love that car. I, I have know. a tattoo of that car. Um, I love that car because it beats Ferrari. And the whole concept of that just... I'm starting to think you just gives, hate Italy. I don't. <laughs> I love it. I miss it. I, you know, it's all of that. I just love the concept of that. Because, you know, Ferrari is idolized a lot. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect. I've worked with them. I will work with them. I will always, you know, cherish the brand. I think it's, a, yeah. you know, it's great that it exists. It's just, it doesn't give me the feelings that other cars you do. Should, you should have seen her face when she was driving the, the Ford GT down the Costa Mesa. She was having... Him. Why'd you choose him? <laughs> because he showed up and you didn't. Nobody asked me. Uh. Well, we well. didn't invite Patrick, but I don't tell uh. anybody. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, uh -huh. Anyways, <laughs> no, we yeah. had a fun day. The Ford GT... I mean, I'm talking about the GT40 mm -hmm. that we have, no, even yeah. though I never drove it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Ford GT that I drove, which, by the way, has 400 miles, you know, last car purchased by Bob Peterson for the collection. It, it was actually <clears throat> 295 miles to, uh, okay. <laughs> when well, we left. We added it was few. basically a brand new car. Yeah, you guys yeah. took it all to deep Orange County and back. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I cried inside. That yeah. car is my dream and I will always desire one. So hopefully one day I yeah, will own one, say, even though if they keep going, they're going to be $20 million by the time I can afford one. But yes, yeah, that's awesome. my favorite Hey, car. my dream car only cost me 20 grand 16, in 2016 and now they're 80. So, you know, I know exactly how you feel. 20 grand? They, in 2016, you could got yourself an R32 GTR for 20 grand imported from Japan. Oh, wow. Now it's 75 to 95. It's that's nuts. That's crazy. Don't worry. I'll keep yeah. at it here. I'll get there soon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we all need to have dreams. Well, good luck with that. Dreams. Where'd yours go? I'm living it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, yeah. you know, that terrible disappointment, uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening and or watching the Peterson Car Stories podcast. I'd like to thank Luna Bondazan for the great hour of incredible storytelling. She's a very talented storyteller. Uh, and... I'd like to thank the Peterson Museum for letting us use this awesome room to shoot this episode in. Thank you again. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, 
and uh, see you at the next event. Take care, everybody. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.